This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Despite an ongoing financial crisis that has spared few industries and countries, participants in the recent Knowledge at Wharton Real Estate in Emerging Markets Forum focused on the opportunities that still exist in underserved markets for those who know where to look. Panelists and guest speakers at the forum, organized in collaboration with Interconnect Events, included global real estate developers, investors, finance specialists, and top-level executives in the industry. Their overall message, as stated by one participant, no one is safe today, but on a relative basis, the emerging markets are better positioned. In this special report, Knowledge at Wharton asked several forum participants about their experience with and views on emerging markets. Our guest today is Bruce Gardner, Managing Director of MLP Russia. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. The question on everyone's mind these days is uh, the world financial crisis and its impact on emerging markets. Uh, Could you tell me a little bit about what you think of the crisis and how it has impacted Russia? Uh, Well, again, I think Russia uh, in many ways was cushioned initially by the the, the oil price uh, really for the past six, seven months. So from, from Russia's perspective, it saw itself as insulated and, and, and removed uh, from what was going on in the world uh, really for the past 18 months. Uh, in our business, which is highly correlated with, with financing and highly dependent on development financing, we saw the first signs of, of the changes in the market uh, really at the end of last year uh, when we realized the development financing would no longer be available. Um, and it was really only, you know, until recently um, that things have really started to creep up on Russia. So and I think Russia's right now still in a, in a bit of a denial phase, uh, going through the process of trying to understand, you know, what this really means for it. Um, the Russian government is also kind of going through an, an understanding that this is going to be more protracted and more, more serious um, than initially it was perceived, um, that it has much, far, much more far-reaching impact in terms of, of the economy and in terms of, of the real sort of, uh, you know, the, 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 the real liquidity um, in, in the economy. And we're seeing a lot of signals today um, where basically, you know, lending is, is completely frozen. Uh, people are moving back into some, in some cases, barter transactions. We're seeing that in the, in, in the regions. Uh, you, you're really just seeing, a, if you will, a bit of a recoil. Uh, and, and in part, I think that, that is, is due to the fact that Russia has the experience of, of the crisis in 1998. And so it feels in somewhat of a reaction to that, especially with the banks, uh, because the banks were really the source of, of the problem at that time. And so banks have basically frozen all activity um, and are kind of kind of pulled back completely, even though they're sitting on enormous amounts of cash. You know, the government has basically liquefied all the Russian banks, so they're sitting on billions and billions of rubles, um, but are not willing uh, to extend themselves until they understand that they're uh, things are going to to improve. How, how are real estate companies in Russia responding to this situation? Well, again, I think in the, in, in a similar way. At first, there was a, there's a sort of a, an initial denial um, because people felt that they were just going to sort of continue to do what they were doing uh, because they they had some sources of liquidity. Uh, but then uh, I would say by October, uh, end of end of September, beginning of October, after the mark after the markets had their initial fall. Uh, people realized that this was obviously much more serious and that the, the amount of liquidity that was available in the system literally evaporated overnight. And because banks were unwilling to extend any more credit, um, developers absolutely had no no means of financing themselves. And so again, as as you would see in, a, in an in a less developed market like Russia, 
Um, the things that were liquid, which were basically uh, fixed income securities and, and equity securities, um, were, were the most damaged because they were the only source of liquidity where people could actually get some real cash. And I always like the expression in Russia where people, people in, in, the, in the Western world don't understand the, the idea of what real cash is. But in Russia, there's a very, very clear distinction between real cash and, if you will, kind of th- th- theoretical cash. We live in the Western world in theoretical cash. Nobody actually has to worry about what's actual because they have credit and they have, if you will, the confidence in the system. But in Russia, everything's based upon actual cash. Who actually has the cash, the money in the bank, see, it, see it's there. When people don't feel they have that, then they, they lose, if you will, confidence in, in, their, in their ability to do business. Can you tell me a little bit about your own experience doing business in Russia and what are some of the, the main lessons for uh, international companies that are trying to do business there? Well, I've been in, in Russia now 15 years. Um, I originally founded an investment bank uh, together with some partners uh, called Renaissance Capital in 1995. Uh, I did that, uh, basically that business for eight years. We went through the crisis in 1998. Um, I had to restructure that business and, and basically go through an entire rebuild of, of that business. Um, I left that in 2003 to start up uh, MLP. Um, and during that time, obviously, I've, I've been involved with a number of transactions. I've been involved with a number of partners. Uh, and, and it kind of comes back to, I think, what I talked about today is, is the is sort of five lessons or five uh, sort of rules uh, by which I kind of live in, in, in the market um, in, in, in Russia. And, and the first rule, they're not, say, rules per se, but they're sort of, sort of questions I ask myself um, if I'm looking to do, it, to do business or work, work with somebody. Uh, the first question is obviously the, the business model, uh, what, what's being proposed, is it realistic, is it not, are the assumptions that are there uh, accurate, um, is there some, some presupp- presupposing something that, that's just theoretical that, that will never happen. Secondly, uh, is it scalable? Uh, is the idea something that we can grow um, and we can replicate based upon the work that we do on the initial sort of transaction? Uh, many transactions in Russia are very, very much just singular uh, transactions where you, you put a lot of work, a lot of effort, and you, you're going to get just a one-term, one-time return, whereas if you can grow something and you can expend on it, it, it it's, it's much more interesting. Um, the third question uh, is really involves transparency. Um, if you're trying to build a business and trying to create the, something that's sustainable, you, you want to be able to sell it. You want to be able to represent to somebody that there's, there's something actually here. And so in many cases, what you'll find is, is a situation where there's some element of transparency which is lacking uh, either in the title of the asset, in the case of real estate, uh, or the, the business is, is predicated on some relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so you're going to have a problem at some point where that will not come to pass and, and your whole business will basically falter on the basis of that. Uh, the, the next two questions revolve primarily around management. Uh, if you have somebody on the ground who actually can, can manage your asset, can manage your interest, uh, you can't rely upon third parties. You can't rely um, upon managing something from from Moscow, uh, something in Moscow, from New York or London. Uh, you have to be able to commit time and and the effort to keep that that business alive. And finally, uh, you know, how dependent are you on on third party partners? Uh, is your business something that that will involve a, a joint venture or some type of extended relationship? And if so, how can you control that relationship, or how you can minimize the amount of contact and the amount of work? that you, you need to involve yourself with this third party. And I think that, that any one of those questions is usually you know, one of the faltering points in, in a situation where business goes bad and people lose money uh, or break up with, uh, with their partners. 
No, that's very interesting. I, I wonder, in, in, in dealing with people who want to invest in Russia or want to do business there, what are some of the most common mistakes that people make about doing business in Russia? And in contrast to that, what are some of the most real risks of doing business? Well, I, again, I, I always say to people when they come to Russia, the first question is, do, do you want to be in Russia? Uh, because I can't answer that question. Okay, because the, the the issues that surround being in Russia are political issues and and and, and general risks associated with emerging markets. Uh, people have to make that first step or that that decision for themselves, and, and they can't rely upon anybody in in the market or really anyone to to educate them on those risks. Because I don't think anyone can measure those risks. So if you can answer the first question, saying I understand the risks, I understand the politics is uncertain, I understand you know the vagaries of, of working in an emerging market, then and I put that to one side. Then you have to ask yourself the next question, which is, how do I work in this market? Okay, Because I understand there are all these problems, but at the end of the day, I'm interested. I want to make, make a return. I want to make an investment. Then, then we go, if you will, back to those sort of five questions, because you can then say, I can answer those questions, but then who do I work with? And that's usually where I come in and say, okay, if you've made the decision to come into Russia and, and you want to do this, then you should, you should work with me or I would like you to work with me because I, I believe I can answer all these questions and I can show you a level of transparency which you don't have uh, with, with other people. And, and so in many cases, a lot of people don't answer the first question correctly, right? They come in assuming that, that certain things are not the way they are, and then they get involved into a, a complicated discussion about an investment, but then, and then they come back to the question of political risk. And you say, excuse me, but, but before you came in the door, you should have answered that question for yourself, that political risk was no longer a consideration in terms of whether or not you were going to make this investment. And again, this is, this is a very common problem that people have. Um, they don't really seriously consider the, the dynamics of an emerging market before they go in to make the investment. They're too sort of uh, focused on the, the total return and, and, and how it's going to look in terms of their, of their overall uh, investment portfolio and, and haven't really understood that, that first step. Uh, considering the economic situation and some of the political uh, changes that are taking place now in Russia and elsewhere in the world, uh, where would you want MLB to be in the next uh, 18 to 24 months? Well, again, we've been really trying to position our business to, to sell it to a, a strategic, uh, global strategic investor. Uh, the problem with our business is that it, as it grows larger and larger, um, there will become fewer and fewer potential candidates to, to actually buy, buy the business. Uh, the po on the positive side, we've got the financing to, to, to continue to grow the business. But on the, on, on the other side, uh, as I said, the, with, with the demise of Prologis and, and a few of the other uh, large players, um, there are fewer and fewer candidates, which means that for us, we have to re rethink our business model um, in terms of how we organize our business and how we will actually go forward. So for the next 18 months to 24 months, um, we will be reforming our model and be looking for longer-term capital uh, that, that is comfortable with Russian risks and with that, uh, that type of return. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.